What is up, guys? Welcome back. I caught up with one of my friends, Ian Miller. We had such a great conversation about what it looks like to be a good beginner. As for former athletes, we're always faced with this season post-sport where you have to learn how to adapt to new things. We're coming from this expectation of mastering our sport, which is realistic. We just spent the last 18-ish years of our lives honing in on our craft, but that's not the case when you retire. I believe learning how to begin a new season, a hobby, a career, etc., doing this well is going to be a key part of transitioning to life after sport. Ian also walks me through what it's like to gain perspective after being injured and how do you play your sport again, but this time for fun. What's up guys? Welcome to The Athlete Angle. I'm your host, MC Bell. Do you feel like you're walking aimlessly through life after sports? Do you feel lost without your sport and unsure of how to find confidence in your purpose? It's like the second you hung up your cleats or walked off that field, you've been drifting ever since. Well, I'm here to tell you that you are not alone, my friends. You are one of thousands of student and professional athletes that struggle with transitioning into life after sports. Join me this week as we work to unravel the confusing journey of life post sports, gain clarity in your purpose, and find confidence in your identity so you can flourish in life after sports. Let's dive in. Yay, we're doing this. It's happening. I am so happy to be here. This is great. Awesome. Okay. So to make the most use of our time here, because we have lots to talk about, let's go back to your origin story. I want to start at step one. Like let's go all the way back to sports. It could even be like when you found your love of sports and you know, like you knew you were good at sports. So let's, let's go all the way back. Okay. So the first image that pops in my mind uh, of my kind of origin story with sports is uh, watching the Yankees play growing up. Mm-hmm. Like back in 2002, there was a lockout uh, in, in baseball. And I remember my parents let me stay up late one night to like to, to watch the entire game. And I dressed up in full Yankees gear, was watching Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, all of the, the legends of the game. And uh, we had this big brown L couch uh, in my living room. Uh, and I would just do every play that I saw uh, on the TV. I would just recreate it, diving into the L couch, doing the jump throw that Jeter would do. Um, no. And just like had so much kind of imagination and passion for the game. Just really enjoyed watching, wanted to do exactly what the legends were doing. And I remember even, you know, joining my first travel teams, I would do that same thing on the field between pitches. I would just be <laughs> diving cute. around the field you know, <laughs> literally diving and like getting my uniform dirty. And my coaches would be like, what are you, what are you doing out there? <laughs> Whose <know>? kid is that? <laughs> Seriously. My, my parents were like, not mine. <laughs> like, eh. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it, it really from a young age, I just, I loved it and I couldn't get enough of it. I would go throw the ball against the wall in my neighborhood. Um, and just pretend like I was making big plays and big moments and big games. Um, and you know, as a kid, I was I was pretty solid at baseball in particular, but it wasn't really until high school that I found that I was actually a pretty talented player. And mm-hmm. really, I think it came from a lot of positive reinforcement from my family and, you know, some coaches that I had that kind of picked out my talent at a pretty young age. And even when I'd have some tough moments, they would really emphasize the positive 
elements of my game. If I walked a couple guys, the coach would mention that I had a lot of resilience for coming back after walking those guys and getting some people out, mm. you know, like that kind of thing really helped build the confidence at a young age. And, you know, once I got to, to high school was having a good amount of success, even though I was a little bit smaller, I was maybe scratching six feet tall, 150 ish pounds, but was having a lot of success in the field uh, and, and started to recruit for college. Mm. And I'd seen a couple of folks come before me that had played at, at the division one level and was kind of following their lead through the process. And finally got to a recruiting camp at Harvard when I was 17, had a pretty good first day uh, pitching. And the coaches came up to me afterwards and they were saying, you know, they wanted to see a little bit more. They wanted to watch me one more time the next day. And so I got out there the next day, really tried to, you know, focus in, have a, have a big moment and had just a, kind of a special day on the field that day for, for some reason or another. Uh, and the pitching coach pulled me aside afterwards. He's this, you know, guy, guy with this big Southern drawl. He pulled me into the Harvard Pavilion, surrounded by all of these Letterman jerseys. And, you know, it was like, Mr. Miller, how would you <laughs> like to be the next Harvard Crimson? Um, and, you know, at that moment, I, I admittedly was actually between a couple of schools and started to, to mention that to the coach. And my dad like kicked me under the table. He's like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> like, this is, this is an amazing opportunity. You can't turn this down. This doesn't happen every day. So, you know, I, I have to say like the love and passion for the sport. I, I'm so grateful that that carried me through all the way to, to college and have a ton of gratitude for the fact that it, it got me to an institution like Harvard. I mean, that, that was just such an incredible moment um, for me and, you know, kind of opened the door for so much in my life beyond just sports. So ton of, ton of gratitude there. And by the time I got to, to Harvard, you know, I, I started to kind of put my eyes on playing professionally one day, mm. um, had some, some good success as a freshman, you know, made the, the starting rotation, but figured that I needed to do a little bit more. I kind of needed to outcompete those around me to, to keep trying to, to scratch and claw my way to professional sports. But, you know, I had put a lot of pressure on myself in those moments and it, and it led to, probably a, a decline in performance on the fields just because I, yep. I was in a new frame of mind. You know, I'd come up just feeling really confident and really excited to play every day, but I put a kind of a newfound pressure on myself that just was a little bit hard to overcome. I kind of went back to the drawing board after my, my sophomore year, came into my junior year, having trained at, at one of the top facilities in, in the country over the summer, a place called Driveline out in, in Seattle, and had a great summer, put on like 20 pounds, was throwing really hard, got up to 96 miles an hour. And Nice. There were some, some rumblings that pro ball was, was very much on the table. Um, but for some reason, I went back to school and had a bit of a hard time kind of capturing that lightning again. Um, mm. And had a really solid junior year. Um, ended up uh, being elected team captain at the end of the year. Kind of kind of left that season feeling pretty good. Made the Cape Cod League. But I was pitching through an injury at the time. I had a, a hip injury that eventually needed surgery. Um, and so that's kind of where my baseball career took a bit of a, a left turn. Yeah, I ended up getting surgery um, and leaving school for a full year uh, before coming back for my last season. And that was what really showed me what there was outside of baseball, right? I mean, you know, thinking about the transition from from baseball to the world beyond, I started to explore in you know investing in renewable energy projects uh, with the Rockefeller Foundation. I started to explore. Uh, working in, in law. Um, and, and, you know, by the time I came back to school, my grip on the future with baseball was admittedly a little bit lighter, kind of seen what the world had to offer um, beyond just being on the field. 
and still kind of was starting to recognize some of the lessons that baseball had provided that really prepared me well for being off the field. So the appreciation for, for the game and the excitement for what was beyond started to grow, which is kind of a good thing because my, my last season was fine, not great. Didn't end up getting the position on a pro team that I wanted, even though the team ended up winning the first Ivy League championship in 14 years. It was, a, it was a kind of a great moment for us. Oh, so cool. Um, yeah, but, uh, but my career came to an end. And I still remember coming off the field for the last time, you know, looking at my family still gives me, you know, chills a little bit, Goosebumps. right? You know, yes, 100%. Going to hug your family and being like, wow, that, that's it, you know? Um, and then I would think about all of the people that put so much effort into getting me to that point at the end of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just so much appreciation for that. And I think about all the lessons that are provided along the way. And, and there's a lot of gratitude for that as well. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, well said. So I want to go back to... You mentioned having really good mentorship and having really, you know, pot like a positive community around you when you were a kid, which built this almost like resiliency against like negative self-talk, which I think a lot of athletes take themselves out of their own performance through that. But then I almost feel like you were faced with that challenge when you were in college, your sophomore year, right? Yep your sophomore year. So first off, I think that's really cool. I think that like kudos to your parents and to your coaches and everyone that got you to that point for mentoring you and, and more than just like the physicality of it and not just seeing your skill level and the talent that you have, but also like shaping you as a person and shaping your mindset too. Cause mindset is everything. You could have the talent, you could have everything, you could have all the natural ability, but if you don't have any of the mentality, like it, it doesn't matter what you do past a certain point. So that's really cool. So I wanted to like transition, you went from high school, but when did you feel like you were chasing, like playing collegiately and playing professionally? Like, did you have a specific moment where you just, you kind of learned how to put your uh, determination maybe into another gear? You know, like you get like, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is a fun hobby. And I know I'm like pretty good. And then you get into like, like, oh, wait, no, I want to compete. This is really yeah. good. And then you want to like yeah. get your heels dug in. Did you have totally. a moment like that? You know, I, I think from a really early age, I had the vision of playing at a really high level, but it wasn't until after my freshman year of high school mm-hmm. where I had started to kind of accelerate in my my development as a player. I was really lucky I got the chance to start the state championship game as a freshman in New York and um, had a, a really good outing, really high pressured outing and walked off the field that day and... Um, I was like, oh, wow, well, this could be kind of cool, right? Like I could go and play in progressively more high pressured situations and get better. Like I'm just 14 years old. Let's see what's possible out here. And so I started to do a lot of research at that point. That's when I started studying pitchers at home. I got like the MLB, or MLB TV package and would mark my calendar with all of my favorite pitchers and cool. watch, you know, what were their grips? What, you know, what was their mentality uh, before games? What do they talk about after the game? Like what? You know, what did they think about in high pressured moments that allowed them to get through and, and maintain that positive self-talk that you talked about? Mm. So there's a lot of a little bit of monkey see, monkey do with the people that sure. inspired me. And then going the extra mile, you know, I found a facility in Houston, Texas called the Texas Baseball Ranch when I was probably 15 and um, went down there for a weekend, learned some new techniques, some new ways to kind of use my body more effectively and also some different ways to think about the game and develop a more resilient mindset. And that, that really made a difference. It kind of 
jumped from being a pretty solid pitcher as a freshman to being a little bit more dominant as a sophomore and beyond. I was excited. I'd seen some people be successful and started to, to study and try to implement as much as I could that I saw around me. Wow. Okay. So you're like a true study of the game. It's not, you don't just have the talent, you know, some players you play against and you're like, mm, you just have the talent <laughs> and you can tell and you're like, you're just born right. that way. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. You're like, All right. Well, I'm going to go practice for like 30 more hours and then I'll uh -huh. be back to kick your butt. Um, <laughs> but it sounds like you were, yeah, like a true study of the game, which I think is great. That's awesome. Did you always want to go to Harvard? Were you looking at Harvard for the academics or were you looking at it because you had an opportunity to play baseball there? Yeah. When I was a freshman in high school, the son of the coach of the team was a senior. He was the, the captain of the team. You know, as an aside, he also showed me a lot about how to be a good leader, how to carry yourself throughout a season, how to kind of maintain that positive attitude throughout. And he ended up getting recruited at Columbia. Uh, and really made a concerted effort to maximize his education through the sport. And he also wanted to play professionally. He actually currently plays for Team Israel around the world, which is very cool. Whoa, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of had that example set for me. And, you know, my family was also pushing me to, to think about life beyond baseball, even as I was so excited about it every day. They helped me maintain that perspective. So I knew that I wanted to play at a high level and also get a good education and then I was fortunate enough to have a coach who knew a couple of coaches at the college level, including the one at Harvard. Mm -hmm. And he just bugged the hell out of the Harvard coach. He's like, you have to come down. This guy's good. We have a game coming up next weekend. I know that you're free. Like you have a bye week. Come down and watch. Um, <laughs> I know like, you're free. <laughs> I know you're free. You can't, no excuses. You got to come down. Um, you know, I, I played in front of the Harvard coaches once or twice during my junior season and then played in front of them at a couple of showcases over the summer. And they invited me to the, the personal camp. And at that point, I didn't have any other Division I offers, but I had some interest. And then they gave me a 24-hour exploding offer. So I had 24 hours to decide oh. if I was going to spend my, my four years of college. And when Harvard comes knocking, it's hard to say no. So really did not require, I don't think it required all 24 of those hours. I'm pretty sure I let them know after 12 or so. 12 minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. Where do I sign? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then you get to, so sophomore year happens and you have the season maybe like where you struggle more than you were expecting to struggle because you'd come off a great freshman year. And then your junior year, you have a hip injury that you said you have to get surgery for. So did you, did you end up playing five years? Five, like you were in school for five total years? So the way it worked uh, for us is that we could only play sports during eight academic semesters. So by the time I got my surgery, I was in my seventh semester. I was a junior. Uh, I was a, a senior in, in college. I was in my fall of my senior year. So I needed okay. to take a full year off from school before the spring of my senior year. So that's when I, I took some time away. That's when I worked. I traveled a little bit and I kind of got to see the world beyond for a little while. What a blessing that is it took you out of like the pressure cooker of high level d1 baseball and gave you a taste of what the world looks like without it and then i'm sure that is uncomfortable but what was that experience like complicated <laughs> okay. you know because i mean there's a lot of good elements of it which i'll hit on but 
stepping away when you feel like you're making some positive strides, you know, had had a good junior year, even if it wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be, you know, being a captain of the team at the time when I needed to leave, I had some really hard conversations mm-hmm. with coaches and, and teammates of mine who kind of gave me the permission I needed to take the time away and come back the next year. Yeah. Uh, but that was a really difficult decision to make. So leaving campus and then starting my first job, the first job I'd ever had when I was 21 was pretty scary. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was used to just going and lacing up my cleats and getting out on the field. So going and putting on my suit and going to the Rockefeller Foundation was a big change for me. But quickly, I saw that there was some really cool work happening there. And the impact of the work was far spread. We were working with 100 cities around the world to improve their resilience to you know, increasingly uh, devastating storms from, from climate change and such. Mm-hmm. And saw some folks who were incredibly dedicated to their work and were kind of putting some of the same um, lessons that I had picked up in baseball into practice through their cool. work. So I started to see that and I was like, oh, there is a world beyond this where I could still have a really fulfilling life. So scary when I started, started to kind of feel more comfortable with time. It also allowed me to take a little bit of time to travel for a little while. Mm. I had been really interested in meditation since since college, since I started to struggle my sophomore year. I was like, okay, how do I really focus in during the game? How do I get my my mindset where I want it to be? So I was also able to explore other interests like meditation and then come back and work at the Manhattan district attorney's office for the summer. And I would say that that lesson, the lesson that I picked up there was the importance of having a really strong social bedrock. We had a great intern class, really enjoyed working with them. And it just made even the hard moments during that internship so much more fun. And it reminded me of all the great teams that I had been on in sports and really inspired me to think critically about what kinds of jobs I wanted in the future and how I wanted to build teams in the future to make sure that they had those positive elements. Do you remember the skills maybe that you recognized from sports that were in the internships and the jobs that you had during that year? My mentor at the Rockefeller Foundation, a woman named Liz Yi, you should see her schedule. It was crazy. Just like chock-a-block full. She oh, had gosh. to like build in 15 minutes during the day just to go get a coffee. Like her, her schedule was just wall-to-wall booked. Whoa. And she had young kids at the same time and, and was, was balancing being a mother and had worked in banking previously and, you know, just really dedicated to her craft and to her family, but also saw the impact that she could have both in her banking job and in her work with the Rockefeller Foundation, working in, in the renewable space and the resilient infrastructure space. And so there was this kind of like vision of what her potential could be and what she could create and then the self-discipline every day to show up and work her her tail off to make it a reality yeah and so i would think back to training at the texas baseball ranch and at driveline or you know getting ready for a game where i was feeling maybe a little bit nervous and i would you know go alone to the batting cage and and pitch to Mm -hmm. an empty net and just kind of get the feel that i wanted to feel before the game having that kind of dedication to work when no one's watching was really valuable to see in other people. And, um, you know, it just kind of motivated me to carry that on beyond the field. So, you know, for me, it's, it's now working on, on presentations for work that I know are due on Monday, putting the full weekend of work. It's, you know, taking time to study for the GMAT during my free time to, 
you know, make sure that I'm ready to, to you know, pursue my dream of, of getting an MBA. So there are a lot of ways that I, I try to carry some of those lessons into my life beyond, beyond the sport and really appreciated seeing people like Liz Yee exemplify that in their job. Right. Okay. So what's your version of going to the batting cage and throwing a few pitches before a game now? Yeah. I really enjoy presenting to clients and in, in my roles. You know, I, I was a consultant for four years, you know, often go to the client site and meet with, with folks, you know, maybe it was a C-suite executive, maybe it was the head of a business unit, but I knew that I had to get up on my feet on Monday morning at, you know, 9.30 a.m. and and perform for the next two hours. Maybe I had to run a workshop and, mm-hmm. you know, had to be flexible on my feet and kind of be prepared for any question that would come my way. Even if my friends, my roommates were going out and having a good time on the weekend, I knew that that weekend, it was actually better for me to to put in the time and just be in my room, work through all my points, maybe even like speak aloud to myself in my room and just, yeah. just practice, you know? Because um, I knew that that was, that kind of preparation just made me feel so much better in the moment mm-hmm. and allowed me to, to, to be free. Like I don't, I wouldn't need to look at my notes during that presentation. And that's a really freeing experience that I, I think is kind of like playing in a big game, right? Where you've done all the preparation and now yes. it's about just being present and performing at a high level, just because like you're letting your body do its thing, the thing that it's been training to do for however many years. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's that same feeling of preparing hard and then letting yourself do it. Was it you that we were talking about being in your flow, flow state? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's interesting you say that. So yesterday I also did another podcast interview with another guest and we were talking about building systems like you have systems when you play a high level sport or in college or as a professional athlete, taking those systems and then transitioning it into life after sports. So you're training for life rather than just training for your sport. And I was also telling him that thing where trying to relate to him really that my experience with going on the field and knowing I've done all the preparation and worked through all the emotions and like got my head in the right space so that when I got on the field or got on, on the pitch and I touched the ball and had to make my first pass, or I had to, you know, whatever I had to do in the role that I was in, I could perform well and do my, you know, best for the team. Yep. But the second that I, that whistle would blow, it was like, like you were saying, you have that freedom, like almost bliss in a way, like euphoria yeah. in a way. And I feel like that's something as an athlete you miss having. And totally. when we were talking about it, he really stumped me. Usually I don't have, I don't struggle to ask questions, but I was like, I need a second to process what you just told me, because that means that if I build the system to in my life now, to be able to have that same euphoric feeling preparing for whatever, then I don't have to miss it. And I can still treat it as if I'm an athlete, which is something mm-hmm. I think we crave knowing that that's, you know, something that we want. And I actually did find it in my job. When I'm in the fields, you do all this preparation, you put together decks, you work with a client, you yep. have to go through like approvals on approvals and approvals to just like narrow down one content idea and then prepare yourself and then your crew to then go out into the field and then perform that action or that deck or idea that your team came up with. And mm-hmm. when you're like in the field and you're doing it, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I've never felt more like myself 
you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's all coming together and you kind of get like, Ooh, you kind of get the chills a little bit. You're like, yes. oh, this is great. We prepared for this and it's it's happening and we're doing yes. it, you know? It's a great feeling for sure. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think it's worth noting that that's the things that you loved in sport and that you were probably addicted to. I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah. It's a healthy yeah. addiction. Like <laughs> those things still exist outside of your sport. So I'm, I'm glad that we like touched on that topic you've done this year where you've worked, you've mm-hmm. had an internship, your mindset has been expanded. You've gained more perspective on life as a human being, not just a baseball player, but then you have another year to finish out your uh, collegiate career. What's your mindset going into your senior year? I had a couple ways of looking at it. You know, I wanted to put my best foot forward and see if I could play professionally at the end of the day uh, and train really hard to make that a reality, um, particularly in the couple months that my hip was healthy before I went back to school was really working hard to get back in shape. But I also went back to school with a new appreciation of what I wanted out of the school experience. Mm. Um, Over the three or four classes I could take with all the flexibility of being a second semester senior to really educate myself in a way that I I was excited about. So, you know, ended up um, auditing a class on on mindfulness meditation because I knew that I was already interested in that. I ended up uh, taking a class on public speaking because I just knew that that was going to be valuable for anything I wanted to do down the line, whether it was in my sport, you know, Mm -hmm. helping to lead a team or if that was in in the working world and then took a couple of kind of classic classes I needed to to finish up my degree. Um, So, you know, it was kind of twofold. You know, I wanted to to help the team succeed and, and we had some great talent on that team guys that, that played professionally and are still playing professionally. So I wanted to, to make sure that I was supporting that team and, and building a positive environment for the folks coming up behind me. You know, we had new captains and I wanted to make sure that they felt good leading the team. And uh, so it was kind of a weird moment of, of stepping back and recognizing that there was a ton of young talent mm-hmm. and there, was, there were new leaders of the team. And I had a, a new role to play, right? I was the, the older guy coming in and, you know, had some experience could could perform you know hopefully at a high level and help the team team win but mm-hmm. was kind of in a supporting role of of lifting the people around me and making sure that they were in positions to be really impactful as well. Yeah. I think it's always good to note that the byproduct of a good team is knowing that the people below you should be better than you and that means that you have good coaches and you have a good program um yeah. which I think is great. And I think that's something else you could also take into your professional life or your life after sports is like, if I'm going to build a team, they need to be better at the things that I'm teaching them than I am, because I know that then I'll leave them better off than I left them or than Mm -hmm. when I, you know, arrived. So that's great. I love that. That was kind of where you found yourself at, but also at the same time, it's like, maybe your senior season wasn't your best season, but there wasn't the same amount of maybe pressure or I feel like your senior season, there's just like, you know, when you know that you're not going to go play pro, I feel like you can enjoy it a little bit more and you almost mm-hmm. start leaning back into, Oh, I'm playing my sport because I'm enjoying it. Not just because it's a job or I'm trying to prove something to myself or like keep a set certain standard or, you know, facade for other people to know me as the baseball player. Um, totally. I kind of want to jump into you playing baseball now as just for fun, you know, like you're, mm. you're done with it. You know, you're playing it for different reasons. What has that journey been like? Yeah, no, it's been interesting. So I didn't play baseball for four years after graduating. 
literally did not pick up a ball. We had the pandemic in the middle of that. And yeah, there just wasn't really an opportunity to to get back out there. And so just recently, th- this past year, I joined a men's league team in Northern Virginia. So I was living in, in Washington, D.C. at the time. Um, a buddy of mine reached out and, and mentioned that there was a what I thought was a basketball team. I thought it was a basketball. Oh, no. <laughs> so he's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, come try out for this basketball team. I was like, OK, great. Yeah, for sure. Wow. And um, the day before, he's like, hey, man, like, do you, have, do you have your cleats and your glove ready to go? I was like, oh, <laughs> like, like, so oh, I, wrong sport. Okay. Wrong sport. I have my, my sneakers, you know, you know um, <laughs> definitely was, was not exactly uh, intentional to get back into it, but mm. at the same time, it was um, really valuable to me to re-engage with the sport from a different vantage point. Yes. You know, like my identity is not grounded in this sport anymore. You know, yeah. um, it's grounded in my friends, my families, my loved ones. And the work that I do that I get a lot of passion and and fulfillment out of, right? So Mm -hmm. going back into baseball, there's a certain lightness that comes with it and a certain pursuit of the things that that bring joy from the game. Right. One of the games this year in particular, I kind of reached that flow state that you're talking about, which transported me back immediately to feeling like I was in high school again, right? And, And in that moment where like, you know, you could have an error behind you and it could be a close game. You know that if the guy on third scores that you guys are in trouble, but you like, you're calm. And, mm-hmm. and you know that like, if you just get the ball and you, you do your thing, you're going to be okay. You know, it's like the calm water underneath the waves during a storm, right? Yes. It's, you're just feeling, you're feeling okay. And, and that is, is that flow feeling that I want to cultivate in my life broadly. So to, to remind myself of how I used to get there through the sport and kind of why I fell in love with the sport was really great. And even if my relationship with it is a little bit more complicated now than it used to be, that's one of those lessons that it really reinforces is, you know, even if it's hard going back out there and pushing through and kind of getting to the place of, of intense joy with it is definitely worth it. Yeah. It's almost like you have to discover yourself at that level again, or maybe like remember what it felt like as a kid to go out and just play a sport for the sake of playing the sport without all these ideas of what you should be doing or how you should be playing or the level you should be playing at or the expectation you should have on yourself. Um, I had a, another interview this past week. And one of the things that she said was that she looks at her sport as a friend and mm. your relationship with that friend changes from season to season. And this isn't just like a surface level friend, like you've got some, you've done some time with baseball or your sport, you know? And so you've, you're just transitioning into a different season of life with this friend and you have to figure out how that works for you, both of you air quotes, but like for you. Um, so I thought her, that that was like a really great perspective to have on it, especially if you have to work through some resentment, maybe with the sport, or maybe you didn't achieve certain goals that you wanted to achieve. How do you turn that into looking back at those things as accomplishments and with gratitude and, and that kind of thing? Um, is that something maybe that you that you struggled with post-sport? Or do you feel like the interest in meditation and, and really like implementing that into your life before you finished baseball helped you with that? No, I think that the the metaphor of it being an old friend uh, resonates quite a bit because yeah. for me, you know, I, I walked away from the game with a little bit of that resentment still hanging in the air and and knew that I wanted to 
get some time away from it and kind of explore myself beyond beyond the field. I, I also wanted to make sure that I was taking some of what baseball provided me and pursuing it in other forms. So mm-hmm. since then, have gotten into long distance running and to um, to mountain climbing and mountain biking and you know a couple of other pursuits that still give me a lot of joy and I can kind of you know focus on pursuing day after day and kind of have that self-discipline mm-hmm. um you know for me kind of getting back into the sport required having a little bit of lightness with myself a little bit of grace to, yes. to know that I'm, I'm not gonna be performing at the same level I used to right I've, I've been away from the game for four years my shoulder's not as strong as it once was my elbow is gonna you know bug me every once in a while and you know maybe I'm not gonna be as sharp as I once was but there's still value in it right and and if you can give yourself a little bit of grace and not judge yourself too hard when it doesn't work out exactly the way you want it to. Yeah. Um, then, then it's, it's very much worthwhile. And it, it's also a, a lesson in, in holding things a little bit more lightly, particularly the things that you care about the most. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thanks for giving this episode a listen. If this episode resonated with you, please leave a review and subscribe to the show on Apple podcasts. Oh, One more thing, stay in the know on Insta. Tag a former athlete, teammate, friend, foe, family member. You get the point. I would love to connect with you. Okay, friends, that is all she wrote. I'll see you next week.